Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. wasn't pretty it was a very very long year but at the end of the day your UCF Knights are bowl eligible for their inaugural season in the Big 12. Hello everybody and welcome back to Charge On as always. I'm your host Sean Green. Before we get started as always a quick word from our sponsor Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use Arma promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Listen, we said it all year and even before the year, right? It's not going to be like it was. It's not going to be pretty. There's going to be some games where you scratch your head and say, where's the UCF we know and love? But at the end of the day, your UCF Knights, our UCF Knights went out there and got the job done uh, against Houston, uh, 27-13, to 13, I think the final score was. Uh, credits uh, most of the crowd coming out. Um, obviously, Thanksgiving, uh, a lot of the student section was empty on one side, but it's not a big deal. That was kind of expected. I was actually more impressed with who showed up because of, I thought it was going to be a dead crowd, uh, but the crowd showed up to play, uh, and uh, the boys did too. The UCF Knights definitely showed up to play. Um, obviously, we'll talk about some mistakes here, but at the end of the day, Nick, bowl eligible. Nick Geddes joins me. We talked about it preseason, Nick. We said, listen, 6-6 six and six is not a bad first year. That is, an, that is a good first year. Get bowl eligible. That's all we have talked about for probably a year. But I think some people's expectations can kind of cloud judgment sometimes. Um, you were spot on. You said 5-6 and six heading into the final game, and then you'd, they'd win to go 6-6. Six and six. Um, Kind of give your take on the team and also kind of just how this game went because it was kind of weird it was a weird game yeah I guess I'll, I'll start on the game because I honestly have left to, less to say about the actual game that we saw this afternoon um I don't know what it was it just had it didn't have much juice to it to me at least that's the way it kind of translated over tv again I don't know what it was like in the stadium but I would it agree didn't have much, it didn't have much as much juice and maybe it's the noon you know after Thanksgiving whatever um, but with that being said, the, the team, though, I thought had some juice uh, and UCF's defense in particular. I'll just shout them out for the way they played and really the way they've come on. You know, we we talked about it like midway through the season. Like, is Addison Williams even going to make it to the end of the season? Is UCF going to be able to retain him next year? Do you even want to retain him next year based on the way the defense was uh, kind of performing there? And last four games of the season – and at the end of the day, it's about touchdowns and how many you score and how many you give up. And that UCF defense, these last four games following that, you know, 40-burger that West Virginia put on them, 16.4 points, I think, on average was what they gave up the last four games of the season. And no coincidence that UCF went 3-4 and four, or 3-1 and one during that stretch. 
So shout out to the defense. I thought they played tremendous today as well. I never felt this game was ever I – mean, I know the score was a little close, but especially mostly because of UCF self-inflicted wounds because of the uh, the Colton Boomer situation. Um, but outside of that, I just felt like they were always going to eventually pull away, and they did that in the second half, and then they just kind of held steady. I mean, I thought it was a very simple game for UCF. They didn't have to do anything too crazy on offense. They got that three-touchdown lead, and they kind of put it in cruise control. And the defense, I had all the confidence in the world. I just didn't see anybody on that Houston offense that was going to make a play today. So that's what I will say. I think the game overall might have lacked juice, but the UCF defense brought that. Um, and that was good to see. So I think those are kind of my initial thoughts on the game itself. The the overlying or the uh, the the full looking at it from the the full point here of uh, being six and six, and that's kind of what I said at the beginning of the year, like you mentioned. And that would be a success for the first year of the Big 12. You know, temper expectations, which I think everyone did for the most part. And it didn't go like I thought it would. Like, they beat some teams that I thought that they would lose to and vice versa. Um, They were closer in some games, you know, than I thought they were going to be. And that's the crazy part is we've said this coming in. There's three games that they lost by two points or less. And you could flip those results just like that, and all of a sudden you're an eight-win team or you're a nine-win team. But with that being said, they got the six and six. Um, maybe it ended up like you said, like I kind of said, you know, you're going to be five and six going into the last game against Houston. But obviously, the wins and losses were a little different. But I will personally take it. I will personally take it, and that's what changes so much about this season. You go out there and lose this game at home against that Houston team, and you don't get bowl eligible. You know, I look at the season a lot differently. You win the game, I look at it differently. And I look at it in a very, very good way. You get one more. Uh, so they have, and, and get, given what happened at that West Virginia game that we were at, that was the last time I was up there this year, was that West Virginia game. That was mm-hmm. the the end of that five-game losing streak, right? I mean, and we're looking yep. at each other like, they're not winning three or four games to get to bowl eligible. It's not happening. And they did it. They did it, and the only loss in there was a one-point loss because of a, a missed extra point. I mean, that's that's astonishing. I mean, I, all the all the props to this team. They really, to me, started to put it together um, as well as they could, not like at an elite level or anything like that, but for the level of what they have, they started to put it together to be what they are, um, and they got to 6-6. Six and six. So job well done to everybody involved. Very well said. Um, I mean, you are right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, you know, you did have games on your schedule you can win. And I said early on, I said eight and four was my ceiling. Eight and four was, if you went eight and four, there's there's games on that schedule you can win that you can overachieve this season. But I said at the worst, six and six. If you go six and six, if you are acting like that's a bad season in your first year moving up to a conference, and I'll say this, Nick, and we'll get into the game, but offensively, and I think offensively, we talk about it each week. There was never a team that could really contain UCF moving the football. Which I think that, if there, if you take anything from this season, UCF is sixth in the country in total offense, third in the country in rushing. UCF has proven that once Oklahoma and Texas leave, UCF will be the top offense in the Big 12 moving forward. If UCF got just played the defense that they have the last four weeks, you're looking at a team that would be at the top of the Big 12, 
top four teams. That's just God's honest truth. Like you, And that's not hyperbole. Every team that UCF has played, they have moved the ball on. I think the only team that they just struggled, but that was mostly in the first half, was Kansas. And for five games, six games, you did it with the backup quarterback. So there are things that you could take away from the year and say, listen, no excuses. Things ended up how they ended up. But grand scheme, you made it to a bowl game. That's all that matters. Um, you are right, Nick, though. The juice, I didn't even have the juice. It, pre, like, it was a weird vibe. I think more so it's just like people are like, I think it's holiday week. That was a little, it's like, uh, it's the holidays. It's weird. Then on top of that, it's like, again, we're usually fighting for a conference championship or, or something big time. And this year it's like, which is weird since, again, you'd think that we'd be a little bit more juiced fighting for a bowl game six and six in your first season. And again, if BYU doesn't beat Oklahoma State, we're the only one of the new four that will have gotten a bowl game in year one. So a lot of positives. Um Let's talk defense first, because you brought up the defense. I mean, again, we kind of talked about it. Houston isn't good, right? Houston is a weird team. They have some really good weeks and then really bad weeks. Um, Specifically, Donovan Smith. Uh, Donovan Smith has some really great games, and then other games, it's awful. Today, he was 12 of 20 for 161 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. That interception was really bad. I think the most impressive thing, Nick, and I want you to talk about this, run defense, 31 attempts for 95 yards, and Donovan Smith on the ground was 14 carries for 24 yards. That was the thing I was nervous about. I said in our pregame, the thing that would make me nervous is Donovan Smith running the football. And I think for the most part, UC have held their own against that rushing attack. Well, we talked about it. I mean, they had started to have more success with their running game when they were using Donovan Smith on some of those design runs. And he was kind of carrying most of what they were doing on the ground because I think what the both of the running backs combined were averaging like under under like almost under four yards of carry this season, I believe. And that held true today. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, Stacey Sneed barely got any run. Three carries, 33 yards. Uh, Tony Mathis, six carries, 20 yards. But yeah, like you said, Donovan Smith, they held the 14 for 24. Uh, not much going on for him all day, uh, really in that department, not really through the air. And I thought the the thing that I think stood out to me defensively was the the play of both your, both your, your top linebackers who, you know, I've definitely aimed my criticism at them <laughs> throughout this year. Uh, remember midseason and I gave them what, like a, an F what? An F, F plus? I gave him an F plus, F I plus, think. Because you didn't want to give them less than that. For their performance, I mean, <laughs> listen, they, they played a lot better in the second half of the season. They played a lot better. And today, Jason Johnson, uh, he goes out on a high note. Uh, I think he got two sacks today, um, if I recall that correctly, especially the big one yep. at the end there. I mean, that to me, I thought the game was still going to be fine. So I'm not going to say this was like the, the moment I knew UCF was going to win. But that drive where Houston it was a long drive, and they got all the way in the red zone there, and they they took like five minutes of game clock down there. I mean, just yeah, I don't know what was going on there. But there was that play where Donovan Smith was kind of going backwards and just trying to make a play, doing too much, uh, and Jason Johnson was able to wrap him up for like a loss of fifteen. It was, and that knocked him out in the into field goal range. So that play effectively ended any hope that Houston had. Um, so again, shout out Jason Johnson, shout out Walter Yates. I thought they were fantastic today. Uh, Traymon Morris Brash, he gets another sack. Uh, I believe he tied Nelson Caesar, if I'm not mistaken, for the lead in the conference in sacks. 
Um, yeah, I think you're right. Double check that because I'm not sure if Caesar had one today. Um, no, so I, I don't. He think, went down uh, injured later in the game. I know that. Yeah, no, he he only had one total tackle and uh, a half attack for loss. There you go. Uh, but regardless, Trey Morris Brash. I mean, he almost got the double digit sacks. I really, I certainly did not see that coming. So, I mean, there were some good individual performances today defensively, but even as a unit, I thought they were great. And like I said, they made things easy on the offense, which as we're about to get into, we all, we all know who runs this offense. We all know. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I give them a lot of credit. I think I like the changes that they made defensively. In the first quarter, it looked a little sus, but credit to Houston. They were running some plays that I think were catching UCF on guard with a lot of the sweeps and stuff like that. Uh, but UCF figured it out, controlled it, um, and again, controlled you know um, their emotions to a degree. Um, I thought the refs were horrible. Uh, I, I'll come out and say it. I think some the refs were atrocious today. Uh, to go and have to review four separate calls that weren't made on the field um, that were all against UCF, of course. Um, and then the one uh, the one that got me really heated was where the offensive line or the defensive lineman threw the UCF offensive lineman to the floor and pummeled him into the grass. They didn't call anything on that, but then they called the Lee Hunter small little push on Donovan Smith. That was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the rest were awful. But defensively... Uh, Walt, you're right. Walter Yates, uh, 12 total tackles, and Jason Johnson, uh, probably one of his best games of the year. Um, I'll bring up Malachi Lawrence because I, I listen, transfer portal, portal, you'll never know. You never know what can happen in the transfer portal era. Who knows? I think if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I might be wrong here number-wise. I think he has seven and a half sacks this season playing basically splitting reps uh, at his position. With Josh Salascar. Seven and a half sacks, only playing half the reps. Uh, he's been incredible all year. Obviously, when we do our season breakdown, which will be after a bowl game, which is great, uh, we'll go into kind of all position groups like we do preseason. Uh, but he had another one today, which was which was awesome. He had 16. He entered the game with 16 tackles and six and a half sacks, to put it into perspective. And that's literally I mean, when playing he, when again. He's out there, when, he, when he's out there, he gets to the quarterback. So he's got a bright future, bright future. Yeah, and we'll see. I, I, I think like uh, I looked because a lot of people put out tweets of players with no eligibility left. Josh Seliscar is not on that list. And if I'm Josh Seliscar, or if I'm like, here's the thing: if I'm the coaching staff, I like Josh Seliscar. Right? He's made some big plays for UCF over the past couple of years. Malachi Lawrence is starting next year. If he stays on the nose. I, I, uh, I don't think he made a lot of plays this year. He didn't. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, when Josh Shell- when Malachi Lawrence is out there, he makes plays. Josh Selskar has not made plays this year. Uh, so, again, that's a, a talking point post-season. Uh, but, you know, Malachi Lawrence, credit. Because it was a big, that was a big fourth down sack. Um, and just absolutely blew up the line there. Uh, let's talk offense a little bit. Because, again, I, you know... We haven't really talked about it again. We'll we'll go through every position group, coach, and all that. Darren Hinshaw has done a phenomenal job. Uh, we don't know exactly the split if Gus is calling some plays, if Darren Hinshaw is calling all of them. At the end of the day, you made a change it off for offensive coordinator, and it's another game. UCF just moves the ball at will. You obviously have a pound for pound, probably one of the best running backs in the country, in RJ Harvey, but they have moved the ball in every single person they played. 
And even at, with the change of offensive coordinator, you're top 10 in the country in offense uh, and top 10 in rushing. So Nick kind of talk about, listen, we both love RJ Harvey. We've been preaching to give RJ Harvey the ball for two years. And again, had a little bit of an off week last week. Granted, again, they kind of just, Texas Tech played good job against the run. But you look at him today, and he just fights for every yard. 21 attempts, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Talk about his game a little bit today. Fantastic. I mean, it's just what you come to expect. Um, once UCF, I think, kind of figured out their their run blocking kind of woes, I think, for the first few games of the season where we were kind of talking about that. Man, RJ just – I felt like this year and even after those first couple games, he looked like a completely different player. And even just breaking tackles, getting to the second level, and just keeping the feet moving. The touchdowns that he was able to rack up. I mean, six of the last seven games, 100-plus yards. It, he's From the time that I've been watching UCF, we've seen a lot of really good tailbacks come through the program. I think R.J. Harvey, again, my time of watching, I mean like the last decade. I think he's the best one. Again, there's been some there's been some really good ones. Would you agree with that? I'm not out. I don't think I'm out of line on that because that's how much I think of. I know Greg McRae was great. Uh, Otis Anderson, obviously. Uh, Bowser. You know, I, I know I'm missing some other guys, but I think R.J. Harvey is the best one that I've seen over the past decade. I would agree. Uh, I also think when R.J. Harvey decides to go uh, to the yeah, draft, and, and, which... and I heard he said after the game that he's still uh, up in the air on that of what he's deciding yeah. to do. You know, I've been kind of like looking into like NFL draft mode. Um, and as somebody who follows the Bucks, that's kind of where I'm at um, already. I know you definitely are. Same. Um, Same. <laughs> I was going to say, you definitely are. If I am, you are. Um, I'm, I'm pushing for a top three pick with the Pats, man. We're, we're, we're right. pushing. Right. Um, but I know rankings are one thing and things change and all that. I just haven't seen RJ Harvey's name come up really yet in draft circles and i know it's early still in the grand scheme of the draft process and so many things change i haven't seen his name come up and it's kind of crazy because this is a guy who's top 10 in all of fbs and rushing he's top three i think in the big 12 and you'd think that he'd be on the national spotlight just a little bit more yeah and so i kind of think you know if it's up again he can make whatever decision he wants but he's got another year of eligibility if he wants to come back and just do this again, or maybe it's even better next year. Who knows? I mean, he might end up being one of the better running backs. And we're talking, because I think right now, if he goes, he might be a day three guy. He might be a day three guy. Maybe he comes back and does it again for one more year, and he puts himself into that day two conversation. I don't know. So, I mean, obviously, as, a, as, as us who follow the team and everything, we would love to see him come back for another year. But if he goes to the NFL... Not going to fault the guy for that whatsoever, but um, it did sound like, you know, I'm trying to think of who's completely gone next year because I heard Kobe, it sounded, he didn't sound like definitive that he was going to go either. So you might have a chance. Um, the, of yeah, Kobe there was a, a well. thing basically. Um, oh, well, so we'll just say this uh, on Twitter, not granted it's Twitter. Uh, they're talking about Javon Baker and, uh, Somebody said, Javon Baker for 1K receiving yards today. Let's see. And then Javon Baker replied on Twitter, rigged. And then a guy said, stay for another year, Javon. And he said, ha, good joke. So. All right. So Javon's gone. Javon <laughs> seems like he's gone. Um, no, to that point about RJ. Sorry. I just saw that on my phone. I'm like, I should probably say that. 
to the point of RJ, I agree. You haven't really heard his name come up in the running back draft circles about, oh, RJ Harvey, RJ Harvey. I think maybe if he announced he was going to the draft, I think his name might have might come up a little bit more. But in his head, listen, UCF's third in the country in rushing. By all accounts, the offense should be at least the same or even better next year. So in his head, listen, he might be number one in the Big 12 in rushing next year, maybe one of the best in the country just like he is this year. That's two straight years. Whereas I think last year he was a backup to Bowser. So I think in his head, he might be like, let me get one more year under my belt. Hopefully stays healthy and everything goes well and you have another year like this. And if you have two straight years with over, what, 1,200 yards rushing, four, he had, what, 14, 15 touchdowns on the ground this year. If you have another year like that, you're a day two pick. So I think by all accounts, I would agree. I personally think in the last decade, he's probably just based off the eye test alone. He does everything. He can pound. He can be a ground and pound. He's a speed guy on the outside. I think he does everything. And again, I think this season would look a lot differently if you didn't have RJ Harvey. No offense to the other backs. Uh, listen, who knows? Demarcus Bowman, I'm sure, can do stuff when he gets in. Um, Johnny, I, he he does good stuff when he's in. RJ Harvey is a lead back. He is a lead back, and I think he is an NFL player. He is a NFL player, and if he stays an extra year, watch out for UCF offensively because I think UCF really learned themselves. They're always going to be a running attack team, but I think once the offensive line really got the hang of it, it, it was you, you have to account for everybody in that offense. So um, credit to RJ Harvey. Well, Let's talk. They can, um, uh, everybody's now if they can get the uh, what's it? Not to cut you off. I was just going to put my little yeah. Jab you're good. In there. I'm like I'm like now if they can get the. Uh, the, the quarterback figured out, you know. Well, let's talk about everybody's favorite slash least favorite quarterback because nobody seems but to want to decide. He played, he played damn good today. He played damn he good wanted, today. He wanted – listen, again, I am a JRP fan. I think you are. Th- this season, he – like, listen, and you know I was a big John Rice not fan last year. I was a big negative for John Rice Plumley last year. I was a big Mikey Keene stan. This year, I've seen the improvements from John Rice in every game he's played. Things that he wouldn't, he would have thrown interceptions last year. Things, decisions he would make last year. He has not made those same decisions. Has he made mistakes? Sure, but in every game you've seen, you've sh- in this season, you've seen more maturity as a quarterback in college football. Grant, I get it. Sixth year, I get that. But listen, and I get it. It's Houston. But and I kind of want to look at his, you know, year stats. Twenty three of twenty seven for two hundred and fifty three yards, a touchdown, and then ran it for fifteen times, fifty eight yards, and another touchdown. Nick, it's been a bunch of games this year where we look at his stat line and we're like, huh? Like I think the one game we're like John Rice. I think it was the West Virginia game where he threw. I think it was like two, three interceptions, and we're like John Rice completed every other, every single ball, and his only incompletions were interceptions. If you look at every other, like, there's been games where it's been tough sledding throwing the football. Like, you could say Texas Tech, it was a tough sledding game. Texas Tech played good defensively. John Rice just seems like, especially this season, and especially the last four games, John Rice has won you some games. Today, he made all the throws, right? Like, now granted, he didn't really have to do much because, again, Houston's defense was just awful. But, again... The throws John Rice has made this year, and I made this comment a couple weeks ago, or or like maybe even a couple months ago. John Rice's top 10 throws at UCF all have happened in this year. 
because they are right on the money. Whereas last year, they were a little suspect. They were getting kind of thrown anywhere. Darren Henshaw has done a really good job. Yeah, it's hard to like... It's hard to really evaluate, you know, I mess around with John Rice Plumley and everything, but it's it truly is hard to evaluate because he had to play a lot of these games this year where his biggest weapon was kind of taken away from him, really at the disposal and use it as much as he wants to. And I don't think until the last two or three weeks did you actually see John Rice Plumley kind of be able to play to his strengths a little bit. And I still thought in general, like he's never gonna be an elite thrower of the football. Um, it's never gonna look polished. Uh, but what I will say is throwing the ball down the field and getting those splash plays. I mean, you just look at what Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson did this year. I think Javon caught 41 balls coming into this game and Kobe had 33. And obviously Kobe was great in this one. Uh, definitely want to shout him out. Um, but those guys both in their seasons averaging well over 20 yards a catch. I mean, that's that, it's incredible. So the splash plays when they needed them there, they got them. And so a lot of the credit has to go to John Rice Plumley, obviously, for making those happen. And of course, just those two guys being really good players of their positions. Um, but you know what I will say about John Rice Plumley? At the end of the day, he led this program to 10 wins last year. And this year, he met the goal. Now, he wasn't out there for all these games, but how many games did Timmy win? He won the third game. He only won one. Um, he only won one game, correct? Was Timmy? Villanova. So John Rice Plumley. So what was John Rice Plumley's record this year? One Kent State, one Boise State, came back, lost Oklahoma. So two and one, lost to West Virginia, lost Texas Tech. So what, five and three? Because then Cincy, yeah. Yeah, so five and three. I mean, he went five and three. I mean, and I don't know how things look with him if he was in there for some of those other games. I don't know. We'll never know. But um, with that being said, he met the goal this year. He won 10 games last year. And for a transfer player in this kind of world, and there's not much loyalty, I do come away saying, you know what? John Rice Plumley, I think, loves this program. And I think he loves being here and has enjoyed his time. And you don't get to say that much about a lot of players anymore because there is no loyalty. And that's fine. That's the That's the process. Head coaches don't have loyalty to programs, so why should the players? But I'll, I won't continue on that. Um, but my point is, it's like, regardless of, you could question his play. I've certainly done that, but I won't question his toughness. I will never question the guy's toughness, and I will not question his love for the university. So, uh, again, he met the goals both seasons. Yeah, and I'm excited to see him one more time in a bowl game. I think he deserves it. Um, we don't know what his plan is, if he's going to go football, if he's going to go baseball. Uh, I think the announcer that said that on television, uh, I think it's immature or and absolutely ridiculous uh, since he never put out a formal announcement. You're not actually there reporting anything because you're all doing it from home. So, I, again, that was ridiculous. Um, if I had to be a betting man, I would say he goes the baseball route. Um, but again, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. At least we know we get to see him one more time, suit up as a UCF Knight in the football team uh, for whatever bowl game that we will uh, be placed in. Nick, do you know when, do we get, the bowl game stuff comes out, what, Tuesday? Probably. It should, right? Because the college football I playoff honestly, stuff, I, I would assume. Yeah, I don't I, know I when, but. More what's going on. I do yeah, know no. there's a bowl game. I really hope it's not going to be like this because I'd like to go somewhere else but i know what is it, the cure bowl that's in orlando it's actually the at, 16th? Uh, it's at ucf it's not at uh, it's at ucf right yes. 
the curable people were at the game today. So there is chance UCF oh, gets oh, that joy. game, but joy. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's against USA. <laughs> it's either a Gasparilla Wait. cure, whatever. I literally don't care. It's a bowl game. Hey, we Listen. can't be we can't be beggars. We got it. We we got there. We got a bowl game. That's all that matters. Um, Give us James Madison, damn it. Give us James Madison. <laughs> they deserve it. They deserve it. Um, let's close out. Obviously, listen, you did what you were supposed to do. You beat a team you were supposed to beat. Let's talk and finish and close out by talking about Gus Malzahn. You know, Gus Malzahn has his his fans. He has his haters. Uh, in all of his years of college football, he's never missed a bowl game. He's always made it to a bowl game. He keeps that streak alive. UCF t- goes now to eighth eight straight bowl games, which is the longest active streak in Florida. Kind of talk about Gus a little bit. Obviously, again, not the season you necessarily want, right? Not the, but you got you did what you were supposed to do in the terms of your first season, the Big Twelve, getting to a bowl game, um, having some big games, winning some big games, and ultimately doing it with your backup for four or five games. So. Kind of talk about that. I know in college football that's not unusual because of all the injuries that happen, but kind of talk about Gus Malzahn and the job he's done this year compared to his first two years. It's tough. It's also tough to talk about Gus Malzahn to evaluate him. I mean, and obviously we'll go more in depth in the, the after the season, but just winning the right, sixth it, game. It, Right. At the end of the day, like I said, the grand scheme of things, no matter what things look like, they got to six wins. And that was the goal coming in. That was my goal. Yeah. I don't know if that was their goal. I'm sure they had was goals my goal. of being a better team. But I think for most fans' goals, our goals, it was six and six. And in my eyes, they did that. I thought there were moments throughout the season, and we talked about them, where Gus Malzahn drove me nuts. Um, some of the, the play calls where we thought that he had – he still had a lot of influence on on Darren Henshaw, and I'm sure that's normal. Um, some of the clock management on Gus, that that I still think that is. I mean, he's been a head coach for 12 years now, um, and we kind of saw that in this game too. I wasn't even going to mention it because today was it didn't really end up mattering. But I thought the way that and he's done this too multiple times this year, the way he handles going into the half, and in this one they got down there. What were they at? Like the 10 yard line, something like that. Eight. And there were seven seconds left on eight. Yeah, eight yard line. And there were seven seconds left on the clock and it was third down. I'm like, okay, you get at least two shots at, at the very least one. And most likely you're probably going to get two as well to the end zone there. And in the context of the game, you have a kicker who clearly has no confidence. None. Like none. I didn't I didn't need to see a field. I know it was 26 yards and you want to have faith in him and send him back out there. I, I get it. But he had no confidence. And he missed the field goal before they, they iced him. And it wasn't even close. And then he kicks one into the back of uh, his own lineman. And then he had another extra point later that he just kind of – it went through. I don't I think it got tipped as well. He just completely – he had the yips. Colton Boomer got the yips. I haven't done the boom thing in a while on this show. And he, he just – I don't know. And well, I put out I a know tweet. That UCF- I put out a tweet. It's been 14 points in two weeks that have come to at the expense of missed extra points and field goals. 14 right. points. And that's and this is for a kicker that we were talking, I mean, he hadn't missed like a, a regular field goal until like halfway through the season, his entire UCF career. So it's just, it's really odd. Again, these are discussions for the offseason, yeah. but I know 
goodness, I'm trying to remember his name. Grant Reddick. UCF, he had the, Grant Reddick, right? He was number one overall kicker uh, in his recruiting class, correct? Yes, if no. not one, like top three. Right. Competition. So, I don't know. Maybe we got a kicker competition on our hands next year. Let's go. Yeah. I know some of you UCF fans want to see a punter competition. I'm sure we'll have that as well. Um, <laughs> hey, we didn't punt one time today. You didn't see No, we did it. We didn't no, we punt did one it. time. Well, but anyway, I'll get back on track. That was but that was a that was just part of a point of of Gus and my take on kind of his decision making yeah. this year. Listen, Gus Malzahn at the end of the day, like you said, he's been head coach for twelve years. He goes to a bowl game every year. And then every he did this at Auburn. It felt like, you know, what, twenty thirteen he goes to a national championship. Twenty seventeen, he has a really, really good team that beats the two teams that play in the national championship. Like you know, I know the situations are completely different and winning at Auburn is always going to be easier than winning at UCF. I think that's always going to be the case, even though Auburn is struggling right now. But hey, if if Gus Malzahn is good enough to win you six, seven, eight games every year like he did at Auburn, and then once every four years you get that explosive season where you win 10 or 11 games, I mean, again, adjusting expectations to the conference you're in, in the competition around you, I'd sign myself up for that. I don't know how everybody else feels, but I'd sign myself up for that. I think a lot of times we have un- a lot of programs have very unrealistic expectations. A lot of programs and coaches are getting fired. We got $75 million buyouts because of it. I mean, it's crazy. But if Gus Malzahn's going to win me six, seven, eight games a year, and then every four or five years, he can get me into that, that level of 10, 11 wins, I'll sign up for that. So I think there's a lot worse options out there that you could have than Gus Malzahn as your head coach. You know that he's going to recruit at a good level. And if he continues to get us a top 25 recruiting class year in and year out, which I think is doable, I mean, they're going to start putting together those, like I said, they're going to get to eight wins, nine wins, 10 wins. Like it inevitably will happen in the new look conference because you might end up being the number one recruiting class year in and year out. Who knows? You definitely have advantages. That some of these other schools don't. So but getting a six and six, at least it does. It, it quiets down any of the noise about let's fire Gus. Like nobody has any legs to stand on now. Now and that if you they got lose to the bowl point. game, that, he, that those guys will come back out. But uh, I really you're right. Care. I mean, I don't even ultimately, care about the bowl game. I, I just wanted to get to it. Yeah, that's you got to it. That's all that matters. Um, but ultimately, I th- I do have a lot of confidence that UCF will be one of the top three teams in the Big Twelve in a year or two. But guess what? Every single other team in the Big 12 also feels that way because two of the top teams in the conference are leaving. So everybody, there is a there are open spots available. It's whoever's going to grab them. I just think UCF looks more like Oklahoma than any team in the Big 12 do in terms of just offensively being able to put up points that they do. Defensively being garbage. Well, so let's well, let's keep it let's keep in mind too. And again, not trying to get ahead of ourselves here, but yeah. because we, I mean, just look at the new teams that are coming in. I, Utah, I've been saying, is going to be the class of the Big 12 when they get in here. At, I know that they early, lost yes. four games, but Kyle Whittingham is, he just, he's always there and they're always there. And they're going to have Cam Rising next year. So early, they're going to have the upper hand, right? Yeah. Arizona, my really goodness, good. as long, if they can keep Jed Fish, Arizona looks good right now. Yep. And we didn't think that. I was just like, oh, we're taking in Arizona. Okay. Well, f- fine. Whatever. But, here we go. Um, and then I know I don't, I don't even want to talk about them, but I'm just going to mention them. I mean, I don't think Colorado is going to be this bad forever. 
I mean, I no, think they're going to be come back next wins. year. So, I mean, yeah, and I know recruiting's not going at the the greatest rate right now for them, but Shadur is probably going to be back. I'm just, I have to think Dion will figure it out at some point mm-hmm. once we can let all the hype kind of die down. So, and then you still have your Kansas States, you still have your Oklahoma States. Uh, TCU had a down year, so but we expect them to be better. They're still one year removed away from a national championship. You'd like to think Baylor has better in them. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. Kansas obviously is on the come up as long as they can keep Leipold or Leipold. Texas Tech, yeah, they have their moments. I mean, so the conference really is, I guess what I'm trying to say is... Wide open. The conference is wide open, really. And there's a lot of teams that I think are kind of close to each other. And I think having that experience, head coach and Gus Malzahn does matter. And having the recruiting base you have, I still think you're going to have the advantage over some of these schools or a lot of these schools. I think it's already showing. It's already showing that you and Texas Tech, you're like going back and forth one and two in this first cycle of the best recruiting class in the new Big 12. We are going bowling. We're going bowling. The Big 12, listen, it's going to be a barn burn every every year. Um, But I think over the next five years, I definitely think there's going to be I would say three teams that kind of separate themselves from the classes, from everybody else. They kind of separate themselves at the upper echelon of the Big 12. And if UCF recruits at the pace that they're recruiting, uh, if Gus Malzahn is your head coach and they continue on the path they're going on, there should be no reason why UCF should not be uh, one of those top teams. But again, we're going bowling. First year you're going bowling. That's all that matters. Uh, so you got to six and six. It is a positive year. I don't care what anybody says. Nick, final thoughts. Um, obviously, again, I don't know when we'll figure out the bowl game. Obviously, we'll be dropping an episode um, next Thursday. We'll keep that same schedule for the time being. Um, I'm guessing we'll learn on Tuesday, but kind of give your your last final thoughts uh, on this game versus Houston. Well, my final thoughts, I was going to direct them elsewhere, actually. I've That's said fine. enough about it. Do, do what you want with your I final thoughts. I was just going to say this because, <clears throat> thank you. And I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you feel the same way. I just want to just say, and I know we got at least one more game to cover. That's guaranteed and everything. But the regular season ended. I just want to thank all the listeners, first and foremost. I don't know if we do that enough. Yep. Uh, but you, you're the reason why we continue to do this. And if it if it hadn't been successful we would not probably not be doing it nope. but you know we've been very fortunate that so many of y'all enjoy our content and we got to see that at the live show that we did and we're going to continue to do more of those in the future no doubt about it that was great i mean we i'm wearing merchandise you're wearing merchandise i mean it's crazy so i just want to say thank you to to all the listeners first and foremost i mean subscribers like we've grown by over like i, I think we've had like a 50% growth on subscribers over the last 12, 13 weeks, which is incredible. Um, and it continues to go up. And, and that goes to the away fans as well. Like I have i didn't know that away fans teams watch these type of shows where I'm like, we're dedicating it to one team. But listen, we've seen it week in and week out when we're looking at who's watching the show. So I appreciate the presence as well from all the other Big 12 schools out there. We try to do what we can to, uh, to make sure that we cover your team as well going into these weeks. Um, by doing our research and watching the games and everything. So we appreciate it. Keep it respectful and all those things. So yes, did, did want to give a shout out to all the listeners out there before we sign off for the regular season. That's a good way. That is a good way to end it. Um, I also appreciate everybody that watches and, and listens and, and all that. It's It's been an insane year and a half or year and a couple months. 
Um, we're going to keep doing our thing. And like I said, and I keep saying, I said it last offseason, you're not going to stop seeing us every week. Uh, this is a year-round gig for us. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's no football. There's always football news uh, with UCF. And uh, we just are glad if you click on a video, subscribe, become a member, whatever you do um, to support this channel, we greatly appreciate you. And um, besides Houston fans, because Houston fans clearly did not give a – uh, did not care about this game uh, at all. Uh, the Big 12 fans have been absolutely amazing. Uh, and we really, like Nick said, to piggyback off what Nick said about um, trying to make sure we cover each team effectively and fair and really do a deep dive on each team to make sure we know what we're talking about because we understand watching some people that cover teams that you like and you listen to them and you're like, oh, you didn't do your research at all. So we, we'd really try and harp on that. Uh, that's honestly the episodes we care about the most is our pregames to make sure we know what we're talking about. So to all the Big 12 fans, we appreciate you. To all the UCF fans, we appreciate hey, you. And even if you think I'm full of crap or Sean's full of crap with a take or something, just let us know. We love it. I I, prom- I don't care. I say we're this is a public forum. This is a two-way conversation, you know, and I invite it. So, But regardless, if you agree or disagree us, thank you for listening. Thank you. We appreciate all the listeners, fans of UCF or not. We really do appreciate it. End of the regular season, but we've got a bowl game. We still have one yes. game left to discuss, which thank the heavens. Uh, but the next couple months are going to be absolutely hectic. Transfer portal opens up on December 4th. We'll be bringing coverage to that and who UCF loses, who UCF's going to get. We obviously have National Signing Day. That's going to be huge. We have the bowl game. And then, I mean, spring game's only in April, folks. It's not that far away, um, but we've got a lot of exciting things coming up and a lot of exciting announcements. Merch is going to be live very soon. We're getting that kind of just primed and ready. I don't want to put out a product that sucks, um, but uh, it's... Nick, we still have people that come up to me and ask about the hat, so it's it's a, a constant thing. We're going to get those launched very soon, but... We do appreciate all the support this season. It's been amazing, and we're going to continue rolling, right? The train does not stop here, and we appreciate you guys as always. All right, guys, we'll see you next week to see uh, who the heck we're playing in a bowl game. Uh, I don't know who. Hopefully, uh, I think we all know who we want, or I guess not. We Some of us don't want to play certain people, but um, I think we are assuming we're playing a certain team, but we'll see if they win. Um, all right. Let's end it. This has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.